0: Chapter 15 of the Migration of Birds by the Fish and Wildlife Service. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Routes of Migration. General Considerations. While certain flight directions are consistently followed by migratory birds, it is well to remember that the term, migration route, is a generalization. A concept referring to the general movements of a species rather than an exact course followed by individual birds or a path followed by a species characterized by specific geographic or ecological boundaries even the records of banded birds usually show no more than the places of banding and recovery and the details of the route actually traversed between the two points is interpolated. In determining migration routes, one must also constantly guard against the false assumption that localities with many grounded migrants are on the main path of migration, and localities where no migrants are observed are off the main path. There is also considerable variation in the routes chosen by different species. Differences in distance traveled, time of starting, speed of flight, latitudes of breeding and wintering grounds all contribute to this great variation of migration routes among species. For example, waterfowl banding data not only indicate species differences, but also indicate considerable diversity in direction of movement by different breeding populations within a species, as well as between individuals in the same population. Nevertheless, there are certain factors that serve to guide individuals or groups of individuals along more or less regular paths, and it is possible to define such lines of migration for many species. Flyways and corridors through plotting accumulated banding data obtained in the 1930s, investigators became impressed by what appeared to be four broad, relatively exclusive flyway belts in North America. This concept, based upon analyses of the several thousand records of migratory waterfowl recoveries then available, led Fred Lincoln, to conclude that, because of the great attachment of migratory birds for their ancestral flyways, it would be possible, practically, to exterminate the ducks of the west without seriously interfering with the supply of birds of the same species in the Atlantic and Mississippi flyways, and that the birds of these species, using the eastern flyways, would be slow to overflow and repopulate the devastated areas of the West, even though environmental conditions might be so altered as to be entirely favorable. Since 1948, this model has served as the basis for administrative action by the Fish and Wildlife Service in setting annual migratory waterfowl hunting regulations. The notion of bird populations being confined to four fairly definite and distinct migration flyways is probably most applicable to those birds that migrate in family groups, namely geese, swans, and cranes, but does not appear to be very helpful in understanding the movements of the more widely dispersing ducks or most other groups of birds young geese will tend to return to breed in the area in which they were hatched even though competition might be less in goose populations breeding in another flyway mating in many ducks occurs on the winter range and even though a male had come south on one flyway it will return with the female perhaps on a different flyway consequently vacant breeding areas are more rapidly repopulated by ducks than by geese although Lincoln's analysis was confined to ducks and geese some thought that it applied to other groups of birds as well everyone now realizes that the concept of four flyways designated as the Atlantic Mississippi Central and Pacific flyways was an oversimplification of an extremely complex situation involving crisscrossing of migration routes that vary from species to species flyways can be considered meaningful only in a very general way even for waterfowl and not generally applicable to other groups of birds by determining relative abundances of dabbling ducks east of the Rocky Mountains, Frank Belrose of the Illinois Natural History Survey presented a more realistic picture. Yet the four flyway areas have been useful in regionalizing the harvest of waterfowl for areas of different vulnerability to hunting pressure. Belrose also mapped the corridors for the diving ducks and showed heavy traffic similar to that of dabbling species through the great plains and relatively heavily used corridors from these central arteries eastward across the great lakes area to the atlantic coast terminating particularly in the vicinity of chesapeake bay a fairly well used corridor also extends along the atlantic coast with our present knowledge of bird migration recognizing distinct broad belts of migration down the north american continent encompassing groups of different populations or species is not realistic about all we can say for sure now is that birds travel between certain breeding areas in the north and certain wintering areas in the south that a few heavily traveled corridors are used by certain species and that, more generalized, are routes followed by other species. Narrow routes. Some species exhibit extremely narrow routes of travel. The red knot and purple sandpiper, for example, are normally found only along the coasts because they are limited on one side by the broad waters of the ocean and on the other by land and fresh water. Neither of these habitats furnish conditions attractive to these species. The Ipswich race of the Savannah Sparrow likewise has a very restricted migration range. It is known to breed only on tiny Sable Island, Nova Scotia, and it winters from that island south along the Atlantic coast to Georgia it is rarely more than a quarter of a mile from the outer beach and is entirely at home among the sand dunes with sparse covering of coarse grass the harris sparrow provides an interesting example of a moderately narrow migration route in the interior of the country this handsome sparrow is known to breed only in the narrow belt of stunted timber and brush along the northern limit of trees from the vicinity of Churchill on the west shore of Hudson Bay to the Mackenzie Delta 1,600 miles to the northwest. When this sparrow reaches the United States on its southward migration, it is most numerous in a belt about 500 miles wide between Montana and central Minnesota south through a relatively narrow path in the central part of the continent. Its winter range lies primarily from southeastern Nebraska and northwestern Missouri, across eastern Kansas and Oklahoma, and through a 150-mile wide section of eastern Texas. The habitat preference of Harris's sparrows for the coniferous forest tundra transition on its breeding range also characterizes the structure of its habitat choice of shrubby patches within grasslands on its wintering range consequently its narrow migratory pathway is west of the eastern deciduous forest and even with deforestation the species has not widened its wintering area converging roots When birds start their southward migration, the movement necessarily involves the full width of the breeding range. Later, in the case of land birds with extensive breeding ranges, there is a convergence of the lines of flight taken by individual birds owing in part to the conformation of the land mass and in part to the east west restriction of habitats suitable to certain species. An example of this is provided by the eastern kingbird, which breeds in a summer range two thousand eight hundred miles wide from Newfoundland to British Columbia. On migration, however, the area transversed by the species becomes constricted until in the southern part of the United States. THE OCCUPIED AREA EXTENDS FROM FLORIDA TO THE MOUTH OF THE RIO GRANDE, A DISTANCE OF ONLY 900 MILES. STILL FURTHER SOUTH, THE MIGRATION PATH CONTINUES TO CONVERGE, AND AT THE LATITUDE OF YUCATAN, IT IS NOT MORE THAN 400 MILES WIDE. THE GREAT BULK OF THE SPECIES PROBABLY MOVES IN A BELT LESS THAN HALF THIS WIDTH. The scarlet tanager presents another extreme case of a narrowly converging migration route, starting from its 1,900 mile wide breeding range in the eastern deciduous forest between New Brunswick and Saskatchewan. As the birds move southward in the fall, their path of migration becomes more and more constricted until at the time they leave the United States All are included in the 600-mile belt from eastern Texas to the Florida Peninsula. The boundaries continue to converge to less than 100 miles through Honduras and Costa Rica. The species winters in the heavily forested areas of northwestern South America, including parts of Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru. The rose-breasted grosbeak, also leaves the United States through the 600-mile stretch from eastern Texas to Apalachicola Bay. But thereafter, this grosbeak crosses the Gulf of Mexico and enters the northern part of its winter quarters in southern Mexico, and these lines do not converge. However, the pathway of those individuals that continue to South America is considerably constricted, by the narrowing of land through Central America. Although the cases cited represent extremes of convergence, a narrowing of migratory paths is the rule for the majority of North American birds. Both the shape of the continent and major habitat belts tend to constrict southward movement so that the width of the migration route in the latitude of the Gulf of Mexico is much less than in the breeding range the american red start represents a case of a wide migration route but even in the southern united states this path is still much narrower than the breeding range these birds however cross all of the gulf of mexico and pass from florida to cuba and haiti by way of the bahamas so that here their route is about two thousand five hundred miles wide. Principal routes from North America W. W. Cook identified seven generalized routes for birds leaving the United States on their way to various wintering grounds. The routes by which birds return northward in the spring are not as well known. Atlantic Oceanic route route number one is primarily oceanic and passes directly over the Atlantic Ocean from Labrador and Nova Scotia to the lesser Antilles then through this group of small islands to the mainland of South America most of the adult American golden plovers and some other shorebirds use this as their fall route These plovers may accomplish the whole 2,400 miles without pause. And in fair weather, the flocks pass Bermuda and sometimes even the islands of Antilles without stopping. As mentioned previously, radar has indicated strong fall movements of warblers from the New England coast out over the Atlantic to points south along this route. One of these, the black pole warbler, has evolved a high level metabolic efficiency in order to make this extended overwater passage. This species loses only 0.06% of its weight per hour, essentially water and fat, compared to thrushes, warblers and sparrows on overland routes which lose 1.2% of their weight per hour of flight. Since this route lies almost entirely over the sea, it is definitely known only at its terminals and from occasional observations made on Bermuda and other islands along its course. Some of the shorebirds that breed on the Arctic tundra of the district of Mackenzie, Northwest Territories, and Alaska, fly southeastward across Canada to the Atlantic coast and finally follow this oceanic route to the mainland of South America. Although most birds make their migratory flights either by day or by night, birds using this route fly both day and night. The Arctic churn follows the Atlantic Ocean route chiefly along the eastern side of the ocean in the eastern hemisphere. Likewise, vast numbers of seabirds, such as auks, mures, guillemots, phalaropes, jagers, petrels, and shearwaters, follow this overwater route from breeding sites along coasts and on islands in the northern and southern hemispheres. Atlantic Coast Route and Tributaries. The Atlantic coast is a regular avenue of travel and is well known for many famous locations for observing both land and water birds. About 50 different kinds of land birds that breed in New England follow the coast southward to Florida and travel thence by island and mainland to South America. The map indicates a natural and convenient highway through the bahamas cuba hispaniola puerto rico and the lesser antilles to the south american coast resting places are provided at convenient intervals and at no time are these aerial travelers out of sight of land it is not however the favored highway only about twenty-five species of birds go beyond cuba to puerto rico along this route to their winter quarters while only six species are known to travel to South America by way of the Lesser Antilles. Many thousands of American coots and American widgeons, northern pintails, blue-winged teals, and other waterfowl, as well as shorebirds, regularly spend the winter season in the coastal marshes, inland lakes, and ponds of Cuba, Hispaniola, and Puerto Rico. Route number three is a direct line of travel for Atlantic Coast migrants en route to South America, although it involves much longer flights. It is used almost entirely by land birds. After taking off from the coast of Florida, there are only two intermediate land masses where migrants might pause for rest and food. Nevertheless. TENS OF THOUSANDS OF BIRDS OF ABOUT 60 SPECIES CROSS THE 150 MILES FROM FLORIDA TO CUBA WHERE MANY REMAIN FOR THE WINTER MONTHS. THE OTHERS NEGOTIATE THE 90 MILES BETWEEN CUBA AND JAMAICA. BUT FROM THAT POINT TO THE SOUTH AMERICAN COAST THERE IS A STRETCH OF ISLANDLESS OCEAN 500 MILES ACROSS. The bobolink so far outnumbers all other birds using this path that this route could be designated the bobolink route as traveling companions along this route the bobolink may meet vireos kingbirds and common nighthawks from florida chuck wills widows from the southeastern states black-billed and yellow-billed cuckoos from new england great-cheeked thrushes from quebec bank swallows from labrador and black pole warblers from alaska sometimes this scattered assemblage will be joined by a tanager or a wood thrush but the bobolink route is not used by the greatest number of migrants formerly it was thought most north american land birds migrated to central america via the florida coast THEN CROSSED TO CUBA AND FINALLY MADE THE SHORT FLIGHT FROM THE WESTERN TIP OF CUBA TO YUCATAN. A GLANCE AT THE MAP WOULD SUGGEST THIS AS A MOST NATURAL ROUTE. BUT AS A MATTER OF FACT IT IS PRACTICALLY DESERTED EXCEPT FOR A FEW SWALLOWS AND SHORE BIRDS OR AN OCCASIONAL LAND BIRD STORM DRIVEN FROM ITS NORMAL COURSE what actually happens in the fall is that many of the birds breeding east of the Appalachian mountains travel parallel to the seacoast in a more or less southwesterly direction and maintaining this same general course from northwestern Florida cross the Gulf of Mexico to the coastal regions of eastern Mexico they thus join migrants from further inland in using route number four. Routes used by Brant in eastern North America merit some detail because their flight paths were long misunderstood. These birds winter on the Atlantic coast, chiefly at Barnegat Bay, New Jersey, but depending upon the severity of the season and the food available, many winter south to North Carolina. Their breeding grounds are in the Canadian Arctic archipelago and on the coasts of Greenland. Careful studies have shown that the main body travels northward in spring along the coast to the Bay of Fundy, overland to Northumberland Strait, which separates Prince Edward Island from mainland New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. A minor route appears to lead northward from Long Island Sound. By way of the housatanic and connecticut river valleys to the saint lawrence river after spending the entire month of may feeding and resting in the gulf of saint lawrence the eastern segment of the brant population resumes its journey by departing overland from the bay of seven island area flying almost due north to ungave bay and from there to nesting grounds probably on Baffin Island and Greenland a smaller segment travels a route slightly north of west to the southeastern shores of James Bay although east of that area some of the flocks take a more northwesterly course by descending the Fort George River to reach the eastern shore of James Bay upon their arrival at either of these two points on james bay the brants of this western segment turn northward and proceed along eastern hudson bay to their breeding grounds in the canadian arctic the fall migration of brant follows the routes utilized in the spring during this season the eastern population appears only on the western and southern shores of ungave bay BEFORE CONTINUING THEIR SOUTHWARD JOURNEY TO THE GULF OF ST. LAWRENCE AND BEYOND. MOST OF THE BIRDS OF THE WESTERN SEGMENT, INSTEAD OF FOLLOWING THE EASTERN SHORES OF HUDSON AND JAMES BAYS, TURN SOUTHWESTWARD ACROSS THE FORMER BY WAY OF THE BELCHER ISLANDS TO CAPE HENRIETTA MARIA AND FROM THERE SOUTH ALONG THE WESTERN SHORE OF JAMES BAY BY WAY OF Akimiski AND CHARLTON ISLANDS at the southern end of james bay they are joined by those that have taken the more direct route along the east coasts of the bays and all then fly overland five hundred and seventy miles to the estuary of the st lawrence river the atlantic coast wintering area receives waterfowl from three or four interior migration paths one of which is of primary importance as it includes great flocks of canvasbacks, redheads, greater and lesser scalp, Canada geese, and many American black ducks that winter in the waters and marshes of the coastal region south of Delaware Bay. The canvasbacks, redheads, and scalp coming from breeding grounds on the great northern plains of central Canada follow the general southeasterly trend of the Great Lakes, across pennsylvania over the mountains and reach the atlantic coast in the vicinity of delaware and chesapeake bays american black ducks mallards and blue-winged teals that have gathered in southern ontario during the fall leave these feeding grounds and proceed southwest many continue this route down the ohio valley but others upon reaching the vicinity of saint Clair flats between Michigan and Ontario swing abruptly to the southeast and cross the mountains to reach the Atlantic coast south of New Jersey. This route with its Mississippi Valley branch has been fully documented by the recovery records of ducks banded at Lake Scugog, Ontario. Canvasbacks migrate from the prairie pothole region of the Central United States and Canada to many wintering areas in the United States. This duck has been the subject of careful study, and its principal migration routes based on recovery of banded birds have been shown. These principal routes travel from the major breeding area in the prairie provinces of Canada and the northern prairies of the United States southeastward through the southern Great Lakes area to Chesapeake Bay the chief wintering area relatively few canvasbacks proceed southward along the Atlantic seaboard a less important route extends off from the main trunk in the southern Minnesota region and goes south along the Mississippi Valley to points along the river other individuals of the prairie breeding population fly southward on a broad front to the Gulf Coast of Texas and the interior of Mexico, while some proceed southwestward on a relatively broad path to the northern Pacific coast. Mackenzie Valley, Great Lakes, Mississippi Valley routes and tributaries. The migration route extending from the Mackenzie Valley past the Great Lakes and down the Mississippi Valley is the longest of any in the Western hemisphere its northern terminus is on the arctic coast in the regions of kotzebue sound alaska and on the mouth of the mackenzie river while its southern end lies in argentina for more than three thousand miles from the mouth of the mackenzie to the delta of the mississippi this route is uninterrupted by mountains In fact, the greatest elevation above sea level is less than 2,000 feet. Because it is well timbered and watered, the entire region offers ideal conditions for its great hosts of migrating birds. It is followed by such vast numbers of ducks, geese, shorebirds, blackbirds, sparrows, warblers, and thrushes, that observers stationed at favorable points in the Mississippi Valley during the height of migration can see large numbers of many species. When many of these species, including ducks, geese, American robins, and yellow-rumped warblers, arrive at the Gulf Coast, they spread out east and west for their winter sojourn. Others, despite the perils of a trip involving a flight of several hundred miles across the Gulf of Mexico, fly straight for Central and South America. This part of the route is a broad boulevard extending from northwestern Florida to eastern Texas and southward across the Gulf of Mexico to Yucatan and the Isthmus of Tehuantepec. This route appears to be preferred over the safer, but more circuitous land or island routes by way of Texas or Florida. During the height of migration, some of the islands off the coast of Louisiana are rewarding observation points for the student of birds, since the feathered travelers literally swarm over them present detailed knowledge of the chief tributaries to the Mackenzie-Great Lakes-Mississippi Valley route relates primarily to waterfowl. Reference has been made already to the flight of American black ducks that reached the Mississippi Valley from southern Ontario. Some individuals of this species, banded at Lake Scugog, Ontario, have been recaptured in succeeding seasons in Wisconsin and Manitoba. But the majority was retaken at points south of the junction of the ohio river with the mississippi indicating their main route of travel from southern ontario a second route that joins the main artery on its eastern side is the one used by eastern populations of snow geese including both blue and white phases that breed mainly on southampton island and in the fox basin of Baffin Island. In the fall, these geese work southward along the shores of Hudson Bay and upon reaching the southern extremity of James Bay, take off on their flight to the great coastal marshes of Louisiana and Texas west of the Mississippi River Delta. Great Plains Rocky Mountain Routes. This route also has its origin in the Mackenzie River Delta and Alaska. The sand hill cranes, white fronted geese, and smaller races of the Canada goose follow this route through the Great Plains from breeding areas in Alaska and Western Canada. It is used chiefly by the Northern Pintails and American widgeons that fly southward through Eastern Alberta to Western Montana. Some localities in this area, as for example, the National Bison Range at Moise, Montana, normally furnish food in such abundance that these birds are induced to pause in their migratory movement. Some flocks of pintails and widgeons move from this area almost directly west across Idaho to the Valley of the Columbia River, then south to the interior valleys of California Others leave Montana by travelling southeastward across Wyoming and Colorado to join other flocks moving southward through the Great Plains. Observations made in the vicinity of Corpus Christi, Texas have shown one of the shortcuts from the coastal bend of Texas to the shore of the Bay of Campeche that is part of the Great Artery of Migration thousands of birds pass along the coast to the northern part of vera cruz mexico since coastal areas in tamaulipas to the north are arid and unsuitable for the denizens of moist woodlands it is probable that much if not all of this part of the route for these species is a short distance offshore. it is used by such woodland species as the golden winged worm-eating And kentucky warblers pacific coast route although it does present features of unusual interest the pacific coast route is not as long or heavily traveled as some of the others described because of the equitable conditions that prevail many species of birds breeding along the coast from the northwestern states to southeastern alaska either do not migrate or else make relatively short journeys. This route has its origin chiefly in western Alaska around the Yukon River Delta. Some of the Scoters and other sea ducks of the North Pacific region, as well as the diminutive Crackling Canada Goose of the Yukon River Delta, use the coastal sea route for all or most of their southward flight large numbers of arctic breeding shorebirds also use this route the journey of the canada goose as shown by return records from birds banded at hooper bay alaska has been traced southward across the alaskan peninsula and apparently across the gulf of alaska to the queen charlotte islands the birds then follow the coastline south to near the mouth of the columbia river where the route swings toward the interior for a short distance before continuing south by way of the Willamette River Valley. The winter quarters of this subspecies of Canada goose are chiefly in the vicinity of Toole Lake on the Oregon California line and in the Sacramento Valley of California, although a few push on to the San Joaquin Valley. A tributary of this flyway is followed by ross's goose which breeds in the perry river district south of queen maud gulf and other areas further east on the central arctic coast of canada its fall migration is southwest and south across the barren grounds to great slave and athabasca lakes where it joins thousands of other waterfowl bound for winter homes along the eastern coast of the United States and the Gulf of Mexico. But when Ross's geese have traveled south approximately to the northern boundary of Montana, most of them separate from their companions and turn southwest across the Rocky Mountains to winter in California. In recent years, more Ross's geese have been found wintering east of the Rocky Mountains along with flocks of snow geese, a change that may be correlated with an eastward extension of their breeding range. The southward route of long-distance migratory land birds of the Pacific area extends chiefly through the interior of California to the mouth of the Colorado River and on to winter quarters in western Mexico. The movements of the western tanager show a migration route that is in some ways remarkable. The species breeds in the mountains from the northern part of Baja California and western Texas, north to northern British Columbia and the southwestern borders of the Mackenzie River. Its winter range is in two discontinuous areas, southern Baja California and eastern and southwestern Mexico, south to Guatemala. During spring migration, the birds appear first in western Texas and the southern part of New Mexico and Arizona about April 20th. By April 30th, the Vanguard has advanced evenly to an approximate east-west line across central New Mexico, Arizona, and southern California. By May 10th, the easternmost birds have advanced only to southern colorado while those in the far west have reached northern washington ten days later the northward advance of this species is shown as a great curve extending northeastward from vancouver island to central alberta and thence southeastward to northern colorado since these tanagers do not reach northern colorado until may 20th it is evident these present in Alberta on that date actually reached there by a route that carried them west of the Rockies to southern British Columbia and thence eastward along the still snowy northern Rocky Mountains Pacific Oceanic Route The Pacific Oceanic Route is used by Pacific golden plovers, bristle-fied curlews ruddy turnstones, wandering tattlers, and other shorebirds. The ruddy turnstones, migrating from the islands in the Bering Sea, have an elliptical route that takes them southward through the islands of the central Pacific and northward along the Asiatic coast. In addition, many seabirds that breed in the far northern coasts as well as on southern coasts and islands migrate across the Pacific well away from land, except when the breeding season approaches. The Pacific Golden Plover breeds chiefly along the Arctic coast of Siberia and in limited areas of the Alaskan coast. Some of the birds probably migrate south through Asia to winter quarters in Japan, China, India, Australia, New Zealand, and the islands of Oceania. Others go south across the Pacific to Hawaii and other islands in the central and southern pacific migrating golden plovers have been observed at sea on a line that extends from the aleutian islands to hawaii while it seems incredible that any birds could lay a course so accurately as to make landfall on these small isolated oceanic islands two thousand miles south of the aleutians two thousand miles west of baja california and nearly four thousand miles from japan year after year pacific golden plovers make this transoceanic round-trip arctic roots some arctic nesting birds retreat only a short distance south in winter these species include the red-legged kittiwake ross's gull emperor goose and eiders this latter group of ducks winter well south of their nesting area but nevertheless remain further north than do other ducks the routes followed by these birds are chiefly parallel to the coast and may be considered as being tributary either to the atlantic or pacific coast routes the heavy passage of gulls ducks and brants at point barrow and other points on the arctic coast has been noted by many observers the best defined arctic route in north america follows the coast of alaska a migration route therefore may be anything from a narrow path closely adhering to a geographic feature such as a river valley or coastline to a broad avenue that leads in the desired direction and follows only the general pattern of the land mass Oceanic routes appear to be special cases that are not fully understood. Also, it must be remembered that all the main routes contain a multitude of tributary and separate minor routes. In fact, with the entire continent of North America crossed by migratory birds, the different groups or species frequently follow lines that may. REPEATEDLY INTERSECT THOSE TAKEN BY OTHERS OF THEIR OWN KIND OR BY OTHER SPECIES. THE ARTERIAL OR TRUNK ROOTS, THEREFORE, MUST BE CONSIDERED MERELY AS INDICATING PATHS OF MIGRATION ON WHICH CONCENTRATION OF BIRDS IS MORE NOTICEABLE. END OF CHAPTER 15